Hey, hey, friends. To be fair, life can feel like a mess with too little time. But on this podcast, we think through the challenges and make thoughtful everyday decisions. My name is Amy Kay, and this is To Be Fair. Thank you so much for listening today. This is episode number 10. We're in the double digits. And today we are focusing on how we can pretty easily develop long-term healthy habits. I absolutely love thinking and talking about this stuff because I think so often we have truly healthy and wonderful aspirations to do things in our lives, but then for whatever number of reasons, we don't always quite get to the place where we want to be. And this episode is all about the method of developing long-term healthy behaviors for ourselves. Whatever it is that we actually want to do, meditating every day, flossing our teeth, giving blood, Um, sticking with a gratitude practice, whatever it is that we want to do, this method can help. BJ Fogg is a professor at Stanford and leads their behavioral design lab. He also, and I think this is really significant, has decades of background with industry. He helps the people who design products for us to help us to make healthy decisions in our lives. He helps them to know how to do that better. And he also just sort of enjoys tinkering with his own behavior, really, and figuring out like how he ticks and like how he progresses. So through all of this, through all of his experience and research and business, he has developed what he calls a method of tiny habits. Really quickly though, before the tiny habits method, Dr. Fogg says that only three things will change behavior for us in the long term. We could have an epiphany, We can change our environment, the things and the people we are surrounded by, and we can take baby steps. And he specializes in the baby steps approach, which I love because it's so practical and easy for us all to do in our daily lives. I'm a believer in tiny habits because I started following um, Dr. Fogg's way of behavior development over a year ago. There were a significant number of months in there where I didn't work on any habit building, but I'm back to it and it's totally worked for me in these two different blocks of time with a number of different habits. So truly, I'm a believer because it's worked for me over and over again. And more significantly, really, I should say that it has worked for well over 40,000 other people too. (laughs) There are lots of people who have blogged about how much this has helped them and I'll link those references um, to all of Dr. Fogg's stuff in the show notes. But here's the bottom line. Our general behavior as human beings is not unique. There is a system to how our behaviors work. We as human beings are much more similar in our processing and functioning than we are different. I've been completely comforted by understanding that I'm not at all unique in how I've responded to um, trauma in this last year. It has truly been reassuring to know that I'm processing like a normal human being would be processing. I have felt so um, not normal and it was kind of um, like life-giving to be reassured that how I was feeling was to be expected and was completely normal for someone who had gone through what I had experienced. I would also get really upset with myself that I hadn't been coming along faster with feeling normal. And it was truly comforting to understand then that the average amount of time it takes is like six months to two years for someone. And given my situation, it'd be closer to the latter. It gave me such relief, like such permission to continue to feel and process and come along in a 
in what now I know is a natural progression. But before understanding that, it just felt like I was waving out in the wind. I fully understand now that I'm a person who processes life as a normal human being. I'm really nothing special. I'm not going to go faster or slower probably than most other people, just right there in the middle because I'm a normal human being. (laughs) All of us are just normal human beings who process the world as human beings. (laughs) But we can also help ourselves along the way to do the best we can as we are human. There are things that we can do to help ourselves to think and to behave differently as we continue to evolve as humans. I mean, thanks be to God. It's comforting, but it's also like helpful because we can, we can grow from knowing about how our processing works. So anyway, that's what we're focusing on today. How we can hack our behaviors as a predictable human being. So here's what Dr. Fogg and his people have figured out. When we actually want to do something and we have the ability to do it, we can fit it into the right moment of our day with a tiny step and we can easily make it happen. It's that easy and it's freaking fantastic. (laughs) So first, we need to pick something that we actually want to add into our lives. Not just something that we think we should be doing, but something that we actually want to do. Something that we are motivated to do. Maybe it's exercise, or drink more water, or be present when we're with our kids, or call our grandma more often, whatever it is, something that we actually want to do. Secondly, we have to have the ability to do whatever it is we want to do. If it costs too much for us right now, then we don't have the ability to do it right now. Save that one for later. If it requires some physical ability that we don't have, then we shouldn't set ourselves up for that failure. By that I mean if we have a broken arm or something, then we shouldn't have a push-up goal. If we are just wimpy and we want to do push-ups, that's fine. Our body can do one push-up, even if it's in terrible form, and we don't have any physical barriers to it. So we have to be able to physically do the thing. Another inability might also include something like time difficulty. If what we want to do has to be done at a time when we're working or busy in some other way, then we don't really have the ability to do that thing right now anyway. And lastly, the behavior has to have a good prompt for it to work. The prompt or anchor reminds us of the behavior that we want to add into our life. It should already be a part of our everyday routine. It should be something that we do habitually. It's already a part of the groove of our day. Dr. Fogg talks about flossing a lot. He had an aspiration of flossing his teeth more. So he decided that his prompt for flossing should be brushing his teeth. He already brushes his teeth daily, in fact, twice a day. (laughs) And it's already a habit. It's already automatic. That's what a habit is, how automatic it is for us to do a behavior. And the more automatic, the better. The less we have to think about doing the thing or debate about doing it, the better. We don't want to um, deliberate about brushing our teeth every morning and night. We just want to brush our teeth and move on, right? Sometimes that's a struggle with the children. Like, no, we do brush our teeth. (laughs) But by the time, you know, we're an adult, we tend to brush our teeth all the time. So brushing our teeth is a good anchor for something like then flossing. And here's the exceptional thing about Dr. Fogg's method. He has figured out that the more simple and small the behavior, the better. Make it tiny and easy. 
So when he decided he wanted to start flossing his teeth, he went out and bought a bunch of different kinds of floss and he tried them all and he picked the one that was the easiest to use. Then he made the behavior as small as possible, teeny tiny. Instead of deciding to floss all of his teeth after brushing his teeth at night, he made it tiny and flossed just one tooth. (laughs) Pretty tiny and doable. It doesn't take a lot of motivation to floss the one tooth. And here's the super important part after doing the tiny thing. We have to celebrate it. Truly, like that's that's a thing. We have to give ourselves a little woohoo or a little fist pump or whatever it is that will make us feel good about succeeding in doing that thing. There is such powerful research showing about how this helps when we wire a positive feeling to a behavior. And you can learn all of that stuff from like the actual researchers if you want. It was enough for me to just know that this is a solid fact. So that's how I offer it to you. So after Dr. Fogg flosses one tooth, (laughs) he gives himself a raised fist of victory, feels good about it, and he can be done. Success. Now, if he chooses to go ahead and floss two teeth, that's fine too. And maybe after a while, he'll floss more teeth. But every single time, he only has to floss the one tooth and then celebrate that. His habit now has been so firmly rooted to floss his teeth after brushing, that now he flosses every single time he brushes his teeth because it's just that automatic morning and night, floss all the teeth. I've seen pictures of him smiling. He has gorgeous teeth. (laughs) But this is important. We should never raise our tiny habit to be a bigger habit, even if we have started flossing like three teeth over and over again. There's something mentally important for us to keeping the habit extremely easy. That way, when our motivation sags a week or two into brushing our teeth, we can just floss one again and give ourselves a woohoo and be done for that day. The habit is still being formed then because we are consistently tying the behavior to that anchor. Brush the teeth, floss. And when our motivation comes along again, we'll start flossing more again. And then the habit is just formed. It just is. And then it's not a decision that we're making. So here's an example from my own life. I stink at getting the mail and dealing with whatever it contains. I have sucked at this the majority of my adult life, and there has never been anyone else in our household who would deal with the mail. I have had a ton of shame about this, like forever. I'm a crappy adult. Why can't I do this like a normal person? I suck at bills. I'm not a business person. All the internal self-shaming. Had a lot of it for a lot of years. So I had a high motivation to change my behavior and deal with the mail from now on until forever frickin' more. Now, I certainly have the ability to get the mail. I know how to walk to the mailbox, open the lid, and get the contents out. I seemed to not have the ability to organize the important things I needed to keep. So then enter my sister. She is a rock star at this stuff. The only reason I hadn't asked her to help me get a system for myself earlier is because I had so much shame about not doing it well. But here's the thing. I've been at rock bottom this year, and that probably made it easier for me to just accept myself and ask for help. So my sister graciously came to my home just days after I asked and helped me for one whole morning to create a super simple system for the mail 
for the papers that I need to keep. Now that I have a system, it's way more easy for me. Like Dr. Fogg figuring out um, which floss he liked the best before even trying to start the habit, I was set up for my habit-forming mail process. And I totally know this sounds silly, and the mail thing is super extremely embarrassing to admit, but this has helped me so much. And so I share it and hope that it can help you too. Okay, so the last important step is finding the right prompt for me to walk outside the door and get the mail. I drink hot tea, fairly traded, fairly traded hot tea every morning. I have an electric kettle that I fill up with water every morning and then hit the program and start for it to warm. That seemed like a good prompt then to walk outside to the mailbox. So I thought I would give that a week, try it for a week and see how it went. This was a few weeks ago, and I'm proud to report that the anchor of hitting the start button on the tea kettle was the perfect prompt for me to walk myself outside and get the stinking mail. Then I bring it right back to the counter where the kettle is, and I have a little letter opener for my accountant, thank you Boyd, in the drawer directly underneath the kettle, and I stand there and I look at the stuff while my water is warming. And I usually walk directly to the recycling bin with the majority of the pieces, and those that I need to deal with, I either walk to the file or I put it on the counter for when I'm writing checks. And bam! I am a functioning adult who can deal with her mail. Mm-hmm. There is some serious celebrating every single time. I'm like, yes! From now until forever, I am a mail opener. <laughs> that is seriously all it took. I just needed the little system, and now I'm fine. You'd have thought that I could figure that out on my own, but whatever, I didn't, and I'm glad for the help, and now it's not a problem anymore. So there. Hmm. No more shame. Dr. Fogg says that if we have something that we really want to do and have the ability to do it, but aren't getting the habit set well, we can try hooking the behavior to a different prompt. If like pressing start on my tea kettle wouldn't have actually triggered me to walk outside to, me, to my mailbox, I could have attached it to something else like walking up the porch steps. I walk up the porch steps, I check the mail. I only walk in and outside of the house through the front door once every other day or so, but that would have probably worked too. I'm glad that the tea kettle thing has taken root though, because now it's automatic and I never have to decide if I'm going to go get the mail again or not. I just hit start and I walk my little hiney right out the door. Another thing that Dr. Fogg recommends if we're struggling to have a habit form is to make the behavior smaller so that it's easier for us to create that sequence into our life. So let's say that we want to add meditation into our daily routine, but can't seem to get even five minutes to fit in regularly. How about trying to make it tinier <laughs> and just have a goal of like three breaths or something, not five minutes. Five minutes is too big. Just something like three breaths and then tie it to something like um, when I sit in my chair to tie my shoes, I'm going to take three intentional breaths. And then I celebrate that I did it well by sitting up really straight and smiling for myself or something. <laughs> and then I tie my shoes. If the prompt is right, sitting down into the chair to tie the shoes, and the habit is small enough, three breaths, a healthy habit might be on its way to being formed. One last story for today about tiny habits. Um, 15 months ago, I knew that I needed to make some changes for my physical well-being. I had been in great shape when the boys were little, 
but we had moved twice since then, and I had most certainly fallen off the healthy bandwagon. It felt really daunting to start exercising again, and I was embarrassed that I had let myself go so much, and I was frustrated with myself about how weak I had become. It's always good to be really clear about our aspirations or goals, right? Like be very clear. So I decided that I would try to lose just 15 pounds in six months. I struggled with anorexia when I was a kid. So I was super mindful of slow and steady regaining a healthy level of fitness. Dr. Fogg would say, I think, that there are a number of behaviors that could lead to this particular aspiration. The cloud of behaviors or cloud of bees, he would say. Not just one behavior leads to a bigger goal like losing weight. And since I was mindful of my past with food restriction, I focused on exercise. And since I was so weak, I definitely started tiny. I exercised on an elliptical machine for 15 minutes, and then I did just three planks, three sets of hip lift things. I don't even know the names of them. Two stinking push-ups, my friends, two, and then one stretch for my back. And at the end of that little progression, I would cheer wildly for myself and say, I'm done. And my boys would cheer with me like hooting and hollering, big claps, yay mom, like all sorts of celebration. This was 15 months ago. And still today, if the boys are around when I'm done with my floor exercises, I'll say, I'm done. And they'll instantly start cheering like I just ran the Boston Marathon or something. It is the most awesome, wonderful thing. And I did meet my goal in a healthy, slow way, I'm pleased to say. It kind of feels weird to publicly pat myself on the back like that, but I, I do want to share because it's really helped me, and, and I hope it can help you too. If there's something that you would like to add into your life for the long term that is healthy and good for you, I hope you'll try the tiny habits method. Give it a go. Again, um, I'll link the references to Dr. Fogg in the show notes or just search for him. It's, it's easy and it works because thanks be to God, we're just all human beings who process things like normal human beings. And we can learn how to help ourselves along because of our predictability. There's nothing to feel like a, an ununique loser about this. This is to be celebrated. It's from our humanness that we can learn ways to be more healthy. So cheers to that, right? Cheers to that. May it be true for you and for me. And hey now, if you have found this podcast to be helpful, please consider passing it along to someone else who you think might like hearing it too. And if you need anything for yourself or for someone else, I own a fair trade store called Connected. We're located in Kansas, but we have an online store at um, connectedfairtrade.com. And I'd sure love it if you would give us a look if you need a gift or whatever. Fairtrade is awesome, and we would love to be your source for the goodness. Okay, friends, until next week, take good care. I'm Amy Kay, and this has been To Be Fair. Bye.